0: I think more than ever, probably in history, we are seemingly very connected through telephones and email and even Skype, things like that. But as we all know, nothing beats face-to-face time, time with each other, time with family, time with friends. And I think in our fast-paced life, uh, I can speak from experience, I travel a lot and we move around a lot, we go to places where we don't know people, and which is all great when things are going well. But when things are not going well... You need those people who will support you no matter what. Not your fair-weather friends, but the ones who are there day in, day out, all your life. So uh, staying connected to those friends, staying connected to your family is a key for everybody. And I'm really inspired by what was created at AUOK okay Day because I think staying connected is one thing, but it's easy to take people for granted. It's easy to just, you see them every day, oh, they all seem fine, and not know when someone's struggling. We can all put on a brave face. We can all put on a mask of everything's okay when it's not. And sometimes just a friend coming up to you saying, hey, man, everything good? Everything, are you okay? Just can open up an op- opportunity for people to talk uh, about what's going on. I think it's, very, it's a simple thing, but very valuable thing.
1: How are you going? My name is Jamie. I'd like to um, say hello if you're new to City Church this morning. And I'm so glad that you come here this morning to um, listen to what we want to talk about. Um, this morning, it's a little bit um, of a different message. And it's something that this week I've been really struggling to to think about what to talk about. and And part of that is, is I think that because you know, I run every message by my wife, Emma, um, who's sitting over there, and um, she will give me a really strong critique on whether or not it's good or not. Who knows that behind every great man is a woman shaking her head. Um, and I just thought when people are waking up in the morning and they're having their wheat bix or if they're lucky enough, their smashed avocado with poached eggs and a slide of maple bacon, that... They don't really want to come to church and talk about mental health for a couple of or for an hour, but you know, we're here and I think that this is something that is uncomfortable to talk about sometimes. But I think if we can't talk about it here, where can we talk about it, hey? So we're talking about are you okay and about the subject of mental health. So my first point, if you're writing this down, is it starts simply with a conversation. So Matthew 11 verses 28 to 30 says, and I love this verse, says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that verse. So we're talking about mental health this morning. So this is a quick introduction about mental health, and this is probably the, the part that I'll, I'll say quickly, but mental health is, or well, the definition of mental health is, and mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also determines how we handle stress how we relate to others, and how we make choices. Mental health is important in every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence and through to adulthood. Over the course of your life, you will experience mental health problems in your thinking, in your mood, and in your behavior. Many factors that contribute to mental health can be biological factors such as genes, our brain chemistry, our life experiences such as trauma or abuse or a family history of mental problems. Some mental health problems are, and there's lots of them, but I've just written down a few here. Anxiety, suicidal thoughts, post-traumatic stress disorder or otherwise known as PTSD, ADHD, substance abuse and addiction, schizophrenia, Impulse disorders, borderline personality, mood disorders, trauma, eating disorders, depression and bipolar. I just wanted to say from the get-go, if you no, or you're experiencing anything to do with mental health, I would urge you to see a medical licensed physician, to see a doctor, to see a psychologist, to see a psychiatrist, to make sure that person is aware of trauma-informed care. The scary thing is in Australia that 55% of people that have a mental health condition, they don't seek any help. They don't seek any access. And sometimes, you know, I was thinking about that and it's just not about when we're sick. So Dr. Tony's sitting over there and he'd know better than anyone. You know when you get a script and you get antibiotics and most of the time when you take the antibiotics, what they find is that, that 90% of the people that take antibiotics, they don't take the full course. And the reason they do that is because, they and I do this myself sometimes, but they stop taking it when they feel better. But we need to be looking after ourselves, not only when we feel sick, but looking after ourselves when we feel better, hey? So the scary is in our society is that, I don't know about you, but this problem is getting worse. I don't know why, but it's getting worse. I think that part of the reason is that we might be making ourselves more available than ever before. You know, we might be making ourselves available on on Instagram, we're making ourselves available by email, we're making ourselves available by all these different means, by Twitter, by Facebook, by our phones, all these different means, but at the root of it, in that availability, we forget sometimes who we are. And, you know, my first point it starts with a conversation. It starts simply with a conversation. But that, that's just, it's easy to say, isn't it? How do, how do we have that conversation? How, how do we at City Church have that conversation? How do we practically talk to people that are going through mental health? So they say that one in five people suffer from a mental health condition. One in five. So that's one in five people. So I'll jump down. So that's one, two, three, four, five people suffer from one in five suffer one two, three, four, five. one, two, three, four, five. Simon can you just stand up for a second just come up here I've already talked to Simon he doesn't actually suffer from a mental health condition so but I want to just show you guys practically how if he's my mate he's my really good mate how I would speak to Simon about this so I would come up and go hey mate are you okay is is everything in your life going okay at the moment I I know it's hard sometimes you know with everything that's going on it's it's hard sometimes to be a man it's hard sometimes to be a father to be a husband to be a brother to be a son to be a workmate it's hard to be sometimes to come to city church is everything going all right for you you know when I, when I'm speaking to Simon like you know one of the things do you do you guys think that Simon worries if I'm a I'm a qualified counselor. He doesn't. Does he worry that I'm a, I'm a psychologist? He doesn't. Does he worry about if I'm a qualified doctor? He doesn't. You know, one of the things that it's important that when Simon is going through things in his life and when he's stressed, when he's worried, when he can't get out of bed and you know, I'll go and talk to him and he'll forget what I say. He'll forget everything that I say to him. And, and people in life generally will forget what you say, hey? They'll forget what you say. But you know what he won't forget? He won't forget how I make him feel. And that's what we can do at City Church. We can simply make people feel better. And I can, I can go to someone and say, you know what, mate? I don't have all the answers. But I'm so glad you told me, man. I'm so glad you told me i give Simon a hand, guys. You came all the way from East Blacksland for that. So, so, number two, and I love this point, is the church is not a museum for good people. It's a hospital for the broken, hey? It's funny because we look at the root of the word trauma. You know what it actually means? The word trauma? Wound. It actually means women, this should be a place that people come to be healed. It should be a place that the sick and the broken come to be healed. We're a hospital here. We're not just a church. We're a hospital. We need to be known as a place that people come to get help. And, you know, it's not just up. It's just not up to these guys. It's also up to us. It's up to every single... We're all, we're all helpers here. We're all working in a hospital ward. And the the motto of our church is reaching and influencing the mountains region and beyond by building a relevant Bible-based church by helping people reach their full potential in life, reaching people, raising disciples, and raising leaders. So I think about the stuff that I want City Church to be known for, and you know some churches might be known for their music, some might be known for their you know huge youth groups, some might be known just for having an awesome building but wouldn't it be awesome if city church was known as the place that people come to get help and people all across the western sydney if someone's going through something you need to get them to city church you need to get them along to city church that's where they'll get help take them to city church the people there they're awesome and there's only two things that we have to do which are the hardest things in the world love god and love people so Matthew 25 verses 35, sorry, Matthew chapter 25 verses 35 to 40 says this. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did a stranger come and welcome you, or naked and you were naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did this to the least of my brothers, you did this to me. We need to be a church that's running to people in the fire. We need to be a church that runs towards hurting people has everyone heard of that phrase give a man a fish he eats for a day teach a man how to fish he eats for a lifetime that's good give a man a fish he eats for a day teach a man how to fish he eats for a lifetime you know the thing about that saying it's wrong you know why because sometimes people are too broken to fish they're too emotionally broken and we at city church need to be helping them pick up the rod because when they catch fish, what do they get? They get nourishment in their souls. And I just want to say from the get-go, I had a, um, a really good friend of mine um, a couple of uh, weeks ago that actually passed away. And a lot of you guys might know him here. His name was actually Mal Fibri, And he was one of the guys. He started out as a mental health nurse, actually. But he went on to start um, 180TC. And um, Mel passed away, ironically, um, in the same way that he lived his life, by helping someone. And he actually dropped um, dead as a heart attack, but I don't know what it is, but ever since that I heard that Mel passed, and I've spoken to a lot of guys, um, you know, that are really good friends of mine, but there's been something burning within me since that's happened, and um, Dan Pikea that a lot of you guys know he, he, I've been talking to him late at night a lot and he, he's he been saying the same that something's been I've, I'm not the same person and all I can say is that I, I think about that one of the guys was talking at the funeral and you know if you know Elijah that's in, in um, Kings he's he's a great prophet that was in Kings he's really interesting to read about did lots of crazy stuff where you know he'd send fire down from heaven he would raise the dead he'd do all this amazing stuff but you know, when he passed away, he passed on his anointing to Elisha. And I feel that when Mel has passed, there's something that's happened, not only in me, but in dozens and dozens of men where we've got this absolute heart to help people. And this is just something that's happened in the last couple of weeks. So I had this mate called Chris, and um, I'll just share this story before I hand over to Tim, but I had this mate called Chris and um, he was at school and I guess you'd say that uh, Chris was one of those kids that was like, um, I don't know what you call it now, is emo still a thing? Dan, you're down with the 411? Yeah. So he was like the emo sort of kid, the sort of gothic kid at school. So I, I me and another friend, Kieran, invited him along to church and um, he came to youth actually, he came along to youth. And he stood up the back, and he had a bit of a scowl on his face, and I just didn't think he was into it. He went out the, the, um, the front and smoked like during it. He sort of did all the things that I thought, there's no way he'll come back, and then invited him again next week, and he didn't come back. Anyway, a couple of weeks have gone on, and I said to my mate, well, that was a bit of a waste of time, wasn't it? And anyway, one day he just handed um, Kira and I a letter, And we opened up this letter and it said um, You know guys Thank you so much for inviting me to uh, Youth that night Um, Just from the get go Letting you know that I will not never be coming back Again because it was boring And I go okay Um, He said I didn't like the music I didn't like the people there was nothing there I liked about it and he said and I won't Be back but I just wanted you To know that on the night that you invited Me to come I'd actually planned To end my life And something in me was just, like, struck because I found that, you know, God is a God that you never know where people are at. And so, I just wanted to take this opportunity, before I hand over to Tim, to just pray for you guys. And at the end, Tim's going to talk about an opportunity where he might give you, so you can um, reach out to either get some help for you or a friend, or if you might be struggling. So, is that good? So... I'm just going to pray. So God, I just thank you that you are a God that loves each and every single one of us individually. God, I thank you that you're a God that answers our prayers. Father, I pray for each and every single person that is here and I'm, I can't begin to even touch on this subject, God. God, this is so special to my heart. I pray for anyone that is here that is, that is struggling at all, that is going through stuff, I pray that you would touch them right now in Jesus' name, just where they're sitting, Father God. I just pray that you would touch them from their head to the toe, and I pray that you would use people around them, God, to help them through their trauma. To use people around them to help them through their stress, through their anxiety, through their hurt in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that this church, City Church, would be known as a church that is about people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.
2: Thanks, Jamie. I'm excited to be up here been a long time coming for me. How y'all doing today? You're like, I'm all right, but you're talking about mental health, so chill out. (laughs) Just before I get started, I just want to say I've been a member of this church since probably November, December last year. It took me a while to figure out what it was to me that was different about this church. Um, It took me like months and months, and I'd kind of like just stand here in church, like worshiping, and just be like, what is it? What is this different thing? Because it wasn't like my old church. And one day the Holy Spirit pointed out something to me and he started pointing out men in the church during worship. And I'm looking around and then I realized the thing about this church is that the men in this house worship God earnestly and open up their whole heart to him. And I want to thank you for that, men, because that has been so helpful to me over the past few months just knowing that I'm in a church where men just love God with everything and aren't ashamed to worship him like like he should be worshipped. I really appreciate that. So thank you, men. So, So we're here, okay. You know, our church's vision is to reach, to reach the lost, to reach the broken. And one in five people you're going to be trying to reach, chances are they're going to be suffering with a mental illness. You know, Helping someone with mental illness, it's a skill you can develop. I know when I started as a youth leader, 17-year-old punk, I said all sorts of dumb stuff to people that were struggling. Like, so much of this stuff that I'm about to share with you today, like, I've learned through heartache and tears and finding out that what I said was wrong. So, I want you to know, today I'm going to share six principles. When you ask somebody if they're okay and they say no because it 's so easy to ask if you 're okay, but i 'm an Australian, and I say, "Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> so when someone says no, six principles this message isn 't about being a complete solution to your loved ones going through mental health it 's never that easy. My goal is to give you six principles that I 've learned through painful experience one Corinthians thirteen four to eight love is patient, love is kind does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, I went to Parramatta High School, it was a bit of a rough school, really multicultural school. I enjoyed it, I enjoyed the rough bit of it. And you know, if there was a person that loved like that in our school, that was the person that I was always asking to borrow lunch money off. (laughs) That was the person I was always asking to borrow their pen. That was the person I was always asking to have a look at their homework. (laughs) That was the person that I was always being selfish with. And you know, we had a name in our school for a person like that. The Sucker. The Sucker. They were the sucker. They gave freely. They were never in it for themselves. They always trusted you. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) And they always believed in you. And the thing I've learned over my years of experience working in youth ministry is love is the sucker. It always hopes. It always believes the best, even when there's no evidence. But that's principle six, and we'll get back to that. Um, I need to introduce my friend. He's imaginary, so you can say hi. But this is my friend Nate, who's going to sit on this chair. And maybe for you, that's not Nate. Maybe for you, that's Sarah, that's Jane, that's Prashan, um, that's Michael. That's, for you, this is just your friend struggling, your loved one struggling, whoever it is. So when I'm over here talking to this chair, just understand. Just For me, it's Nate, made up person, obviously. But for you, it can be a real person, whoever you need it to be. Principle one, start the conversation. If you see someone struggling in their life, start the conversation. What to look out for. If you see someone changing their eating habits, changing their sleeping patterns, social withdrawal or isolation, a personality change. If they're not taking care of themselves, or even if they're having attention-seeking behaviour. I find teenagers a lot of the time will have attention-seeking behaviour. One thing I've learned if a teenager is having attention-seeking behaviour, chances are they need some attention. I see so many people go, oh, it's just attention-seeking behaviour. It's like, well, do you want to maybe give them some if that's what they're crying out for? <laughs> or if they're starting to feel overwhelmed, start the conversation. You see, when I see Nate struggling... There's one thing I've got to realize. If he's struggling and I'm not, at that moment, I'm the healthy one. I'm the secure one. I'm the strong one. So I've got to be the one that starts the conversation. You know, we have a tendency to, oh, we'll just wait until they put their hand up. It's like we learn, in Australia, we learn you go to the beach. If you're struggling, put your hand up. Someone will come save you. We learn, so, you know, we'll just wait. Oh, they, they look all right. Nate looks all right. He's doing all right. He hasn't asked for help. But, you know, I've watched Bondi Rescue. And what I noticed in Bondi Rescue is they are on the lookout for British backpackers. (laughs) Because the British backpackers don't know to put their hand up for help. So they've got to be on the lookout for them. They don't wait for someone to go, um, I think I might be drowning. Can you please come (laughs) and help me? They go, oh, there they are. Let's go. And they run out. They don't wait to help. Because chances are if a lifesaver on the beach is waiting for you to ask, they might get there too late. And I'm the secure one. I'm the one that's going to run out there and ask the question. Start the conversation. Are you okay? And if we're going to reach our friends, our family, our community, we've got to be the secure one. We've got to start the conversation. I know this church already is. This church is an incredible church. And so here's principle two. Know your limits. Um, There was a pastor I had in my life great man of God. He taught me almost everything I know about the Holy Spirit. For some reason, he thought that the Holy Spirit was most at work at five o'clock in the morning. Um, so he taught me how to get out of bed as well. <laughs> but in his life, when he first became a Christian, he was a, a 28 when he first became a Christian in a small community, and he just went out there and he had to just start loving people. And he just rushed out there and he started loving loving people and trying to help people and decided he, he could be the answer for everything. And so what he did, he had a property and he got, had a few caravans on his property. And at the time he had two kids, like two young, young kids, and he invited, started inviting people to live in these caravans on his property. And so one day he came home and obviously he had all these people that he was helping in the community that were living in the caravans on his property. And he came home to his wife packing her bags, packing the kids' bags, Because you've got to know your limits You see, he was going out there to love But for his family He was putting them in a dangerous situation And luckily He had a wise wife who knew Hey, this isn't safe for our children You see, there's two ways people often go When they find out Nate over here is struggling They go to, I'm going to fix everything I'm your man, I'm going to be here All the time, you can come and live in my house Everything is yours And there's the other way, it's like, okay, cool, cool, that's really big Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> well, I'll delete that contact. <laughs> That's two ways we tend to go. Try to rush in and fix everything or try to hide from it. You know, I've learned, me and my wife through, like I said, many years of pain, we've learned this way through the middle, that you have to know your limits. Decide what you will and won't do. Understand that. Hey, hey, we can support you, but I got work in the morning. Come 10 o'clock, I got to start putting my family to bed and we've, we've got to know your limits, make sure you're making a difference, but make sure you can keep up the pace because this is a marathon when you're helping someone struggling with mental health. There's no use in starting and being there, calling them every single day if you're going to start to drop off. You've got to set a pace you can maintain. Let them know what that is. Let them know what they can expect from you and what they can't. And that leads me to point, principle number three, get a team. I can't carry Nate by myself. Nate needs a team. If you ask someone if they're okay and they say no, that doesn't make you a counsellor. Just because you're the... That doesn't make you a That doesn't make you a trained professional. You've got to get a team. Often, you take, go with them to a doctor, get a mental health plan. You can do all sorts of things. Get a team, ask for help. Maybe you're not the counsellor, but, you know, exercising for half an hour three times a week, same result as taking any antidepressants. Hey, I'm not a good counsellor, but let's go play basketball three times a week. Let's get them out of the house. Let's get them exercising. Let's get those good endorphins flowing through their body. Maybe you're an accountability person. Maybe you're a cook. When someone's struggling with mental health so often, McDonald's is all they eat. And if they're trying to get healthy in their head, they need better food than that. So maybe you you can't be the counselor, but you can be a chef. You can make sure they're eating well. You can take over. You can do hospitality. You can be the financial backing. So often, especially if families are struggling, maybe they just need that one week's rent just to lift that weight off. Maybe you're an intercessor. Maybe you can be the mediator in their relationships. Maybe you're the social curator. Okay, we're going to go hang out and we're inviting this friend and this friend and this friend, but not that friend because they're a downer. And we're going to go hang out and we're going to have a good time. Maybe you're the listener. Maybe you become the facilitator. Principle number four, Care. If I'm looking after Nate over here, i got to be looking after myself. You see, Jesus, he was big on self-care. In Matthew 14, one of my friends pointed this out to me and it blew me away. In Matthew 14, John the Baptist gets beheaded. Jesus finds out about it and tries to withdraw to a quiet place. But the crowds followed. So here's Jesus like, whoa, this is a big deal. I'm going to go be by myself. Oh, dang it. Thousands of people followed me. And that's just, then he feeds the 5,000, teaches them, and does incredible miracles. But what does he do next? Draws away. The moment he gets a chance, he sends the disciples off across the sea. Says, I'm going to stay here by myself. Disciples are like, um, do you ever got a boat? And Jesus is like, I'll figure something out. Wink, wink. And Jesus withdraws to be by himself and pray and do some self-care because he just found out his cousin, the dude that baptized him, died. Jesus withdrew again. you got to look after yourself. P.S. End of that story. Jesus just walks and catches up. <clears throat> a few people are just like, oh, that part. Yeah. <laughs> you need Jesus. You need prayer. Understand the difference between high-quality downtime and low-quality downtime. If you're helping a friend... Like, I enjoy a movie as much as the next guy. But if I go sit on my couch and watch a movie for two hours, that for me is low-quality downtime. It doesn't refresh me as much as it could. When I know I'm tired exhausted, but I've been hanging out with Nate and I'm like, Whoo, that is heavy. That is difficult. I don't go watch a movie. I go mountain bike riding. Because 45 minutes an hour out on my mountain bike, I come back refreshed, ready to go. Where's Nate? Let's get back into this, mate. Because I understand the difference between low-quality and high-quality downtime. So if you're looking after someone, learn what you need to be your best. Don't just take your shoes off and sit on the couch and veg because that is low-quality downtime. Self-care, get some high-quality downtime. The power of silence. Principle number five, the power of silence. When people are struggling with mental health, they can feel overwhelmed like everyone is talking at them, saying how much it makes them feel. Everyone is telling them how to fix their problems. But one thing I've learned... is the power of silence. You see, me and my wife, we moved down to Melbourne for two years and I was a part of a youth ministry as in the core team, really close core team. And when we moved down to Melbourne, a few, years after, like, a few months after we moved down to Melbourne, we just found out the youth pastor of the core team had committed suicide. And that was rough. And that was difficult. And I had my best mate, Wilson. He was the first person I called UK. Are you okay? His answer was no. I'm like, I'm on a plane. I'll see you tomorrow. First thing in the morning, got on a plane, landed in Sydney. Called him up. Where are you? We decided to meet in a park. When I got there, he was already sitting on this rock in this park, and I walked over and I sat next to him, and we must We didn't say a word for at least 20 minutes. You see, so often we try to fill the gaps with our words and try to just talk and talk. That day, I learned to shut up. You've got to give it the space it needs. Silence says, this is too big and important for me to fix with my mouth right now. You don't need to fix everything. Sometimes, Nate, that day, Wilson, and me, we just needed someone to sit and hold the awkwardness with us. Hold the pain with us. Point number six, do you remember it? Thanks, baby. <laughs> love is the sucker. She heard the message twice already. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, that kind of love, it's the sucker. Jesus asked us to love unconditionally without seeking our self-interest. Keep no record of wrongs. I've always struggled with that one but did you see what they did yesterday? Love. (laughs) Helping someone through a mental health issue, it's not a fair exchange. Because like this, you go over to Nate, you bring some love, you bring some joy, you bring some stuff, and then Nate just heaps hurt and pain and tears. And so I rocked up to the conversation all full of love, and now all of a sudden I've just got hurt. So it's like that self-care thing. I take that love, I take that hurt over to Jesus. And because love is a sucker and Jesus loves me, it's not a fair exchange. I dump that hurt. I dump that pain. I dump that grief on Jesus. And he fills me back up with love and joy and hope. And then I go back over to Nate. You see, it's not a fair exchange. So because... If you start expecting from the person that you're trying to support, if you want their love, if you want their joy, if you're trying to get something from them, it'll break down. You've got to understand that when you're supporting someone, it's all them. And you're not expecting anything back except for hurt. And then you take that, take that hurt to Jesus, he gives you some love. Take that fear to Jesus, he'll give you some joy. Take that worry to Jesus, he'll give you some peace. When I'm supporting Nate, I'm not expecting anything from him. I'm giving to him. You know, our church, I so believe that when, I, when we rocked up here last year, the end of last year, I was like, this church is ready for something. I feel like we're on the grid. The tire warmers are still on our Formula One cars. The mechanics are still around, and we're, just, we're waiting for something. And when Ben became our pastor, I was like, okay are ready for the green light now. And this church is going to be the answer to this community. This church is going to see broken people come and find hope and find Jesus. Because this church is so friendly. This church is so loving. This church is full of you. Some incredible, amazing, healthy, strong people. You know, there's family in, families in this church that are three and four generations strong Christians. And I love that. But I really believe we're going to start to see a lot of first-time Christians. We're going to start to see mothers and fathers and kids walking through these doors where they're the only people in their household that know Jesus. And we're going to start to bring Jesus to that situation. Because this church is going to reach people. And this church is going to heal people. You know, if you're here today and you don't know my Jesus... I just wanted to run through a quick prayer because Jesus has been my hope throughout my life. When I was 11, I found out when I was 11, my dad kind of like stopped sleeping at our house all the time. It was really kind of awkward. I didn't understand it. And then one day I was walking past his car and I saw a baby seat in his car and I was the youngest. I was like, "What?" and I went to mom and mom filled me in that my father had started another family. And as a young boy, that broke my heart because my hero was walking out on me. But it was through that, through my er- earthly father abandoning me, that I found my heavenly father. I found his love. I found his support. I found his presence. And tonight, this morning, if you don't know that presence, I just want to pray a quick prayer that just introduces Jesus to your heart and ask him to be your savior. So if everybody can close their eyes, I'm going to pray this prayer. And feel free to say it out loud with me because everybody else is. Jesus, I ask you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Take my hurt. Take my rubbish. Replace it with your love and your joy. Amen. Awesome. Now, just as we're closing up, And the band's about to start worshipping. I just wanted to give you an opportunity because I know there are people here that are struggling and I know there are people here that have loved ones that are struggling. So we wanted to open up the altar down here. And while we worship, if that's you and you're trying to support someone through this, we'd love to pray with you. If you want to talk more about it later, um, Jamie, my wife, and myself are going to be in the, the guest lounge later. We can talk more in depth about your situation and how maybe we as a church can support you or how we can find more supports for you because you need a team. But as a band worships, if that's you, I'd love to invite you Just come out the front and one of the team, one of the pastoral staff will come and pray with you. Thanks.